welcome to girl uninterrupted where we have discussions with our friends about the big issues that affect women today from the pay gap to social media we talk about it all uninterrupted this episode my co-host tanya and i are going to talk about how our culture devalues femininity while punishing women who fail to perform it the visible impact that it has in the professional world about the so called caring professions and doctors in russia and how just maybe just maybe it's a good thing to be hashtag just like other girls we got this idea for this episode when we were working on the first one about influencer culture and social media which got us thinking you know about how traditionally feminine interests and pursuits are almost discouraged in certain ways and i talk about that a bit in our previous episode that you guys should you know definitely listen to but anyway Before we get started with this episode I just want to catch you up to speed about what's been happening at Girl Up Sydney. To start with I would like to congratulate all of my members at Girl Up Sydney for putting together the awesome show that was our first event. It was an art competition with the theme of women empowerment and I'm pleased to report that we had a multitude of wonderful and insightful responses portraying women just the way they should be fighting for growth fighting for equality and steadily making their way up to the top in this journey both with this podcast and for our club we essentially aim to create and spread awareness on issues pertaining to both gender equality and equity amongst others in fact as we record this podcast our team is working towards joining hands with inspirational entrepreneurs and artists to make the best impact possible on empowering women So I'd suggest you guys stay tuned and follow us on Instagram for upcoming live shows and reels along with more exciting events where we get a chance to know each other and network with people from different parts of the world. It is in that spirit that I will be taking a few minutes at the start of every podcast to update you guys about what's been going on at Girl Up Sydney and how you can join us and contribute to the cause in your own way. So before we get into today's topic Tanya would like to say something and then we're going to start with today's episode. Yeah, okay. Hi guys. Um super excited to talk about all this with uh Pooja and with you guys in a way. Uh before we start just a blanket disclaimer, we're going to be saying masculinity, femininity. You're talking about masculine and feminine interests throughout this episode. I know it's super binary. I know it puts uh men and women into ridiculous boxes that are horribly arbitrary just assume that when we say these words we have them in like air quotes and that we really just are referring to traditional views of masculinity and femininity and not at all that we believe that people that men have to be this way or women have to be that way thank you for that tanya okay so when we was when we were working on this episode and trying to do research like something that we struggled with a lot was in how to explain what this episode is about um i mean saying that we're talking about how our culture devalues femininity that's really just like such a mouthful even though that is what we're talking about but i thought a good way to start is sort of communicate through an example exactly what we mean and a re- a really a excellent example of the subtle ways in which our culture devalues femininity is like you just have to google the definition of masculinity and look at how look at the example sentence which reads handsome muzzled and driven is a prime example of masculinity and if you look at the google definition of femininity the example sentence reads she celebrates her femininity 
by wearing makeup and high heels. And this is just such a classic example of women being valued for how they look and men being valued for what they do or who they are. It almost seems unbelievable that it's just out there in such an obvious way. But then even underlying that, my gut reaction of a slight offense at being having femininity associated with high heels and makeup or thinking that high heels and makeup are quote unquote bad um, is another example of the ways in which our culture def devalues femininity. And this happens in so many different ways and so much of the time we don't even notice that it's happening. A New York Times survey recently found that 56%, a New York Times article recently wrote about how 56% of the men they surveyed uh, said that they thought sexism was over. And despite how much they might like that to be the case, that's clearly not true. The way we think about women is women is so deeply embedded into our culture. The subtle way we talk about them, the nuanced way in which we associate female attributes becomes so ingrained in us individually and as a culture. And the less we value characteristics attached to women, the more easy it is to justify devaluing women as a whole. And we see this in so many different spheres of life, but like, I think it's so striking. It, it's so, it's the most obviously visible in the professional world. Now that you mention it, I think that the wage gap is a classic example of what you've been trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. This is so pervasive in so many different spheres of life, but I think it's particularly really obviously noticeable on the surface in the professional world. Yeah, Tanya, I think that's a very good point. I think one of the most tangible representations of this is the wage gap that does exist, despite yeah, what exactly. you trying to say. And the fact is that it has existed for decades now. And while we're all trying to figure out why it exists and how to address it, the fact is that there are many complex issues that underlie it. But at the base of it all lies a simple fact. Work done by women simply isn't valued as highly. Take, for example, Paula England, an incredible sociologist at NYU, who has dedicated a large part of her career to figure out why that is, why the wage gap exists, and why work being done by a woman is not valued on the same level. She has co-authored one of the largest and most comprehensive studies on this phenomenon using census data from about five decades. Her study found that when women moved into occupations in large numbers, those jobs began paying less even after controlling for education, work experience, skills, race, and geography. A really striking example of this is the one that she found in camps, or rather in camp counselor roles. Over the five decades that the study lasted, that is from the 1950s to 2000, camp counselors shifted from being predominantly male to predominantly female. However, over that same time period, median wages went down by a whopping 57%, even after accounting for inflation over that time. Oh my God. Exactly. So whether or not people agree that the wage gap exists or not, this study is tangible proof along with numbers that it has happened and it may continue to happen unless we do something about it. Do you know of any other sectors that are so male dominated? 
Um, I think one thing that I find so interesting is that not just the, this study shows showed that like when women move into an occupation, when an occupation becomes female dominated, their jobs begin paying less. But what's so interesting or so screwed up is that the reverse is also true. Computer programming was done predominantly by women and was considered menial work for the longest time. But when male programmers began to enter the field and began to outnumber women, the job began paying more and earned more prestige. Um, and I'll quickly cure, I wanna plug the movie Hidden Figures if you guys haven't watched it. It is a, an amazing uh, period movie which just showcases this so well. Um, and like another example that I've always heard about so much anecdotally is in takes us to a different society altogether. So, so far, most of the stuff we've been talking about is pretty US centric because that's where all the research lives. But this is somewhere else. Okay, so let's examine a traditionally male dominated role that's very well respected and very well paid in most parts of the world. Doctors. In UK, the medical profession is one of the top 10 most lucrative careers and the average annual income of a family doctor in US goes well into the six figures, which is unbelievable. And it also confers on you significant social status. I mean, basically every Asian child can attest to this. Like I cannot tell you how much my mom wanted one, either me or my brother to become a doctor. It was her dearest wish. And the fact that we haven't is her greatest disappointment. So let's make this a thought exercise. Why would you say doctors are so well respected? Well, I think part of it might have to do with the fact that doctors can actually save lives. And for those who are religious, doctors may very well be the closest thing to God that the human race can touch. Right. And it's such important work, right? And it takes so much skill and so many years of training. I mean, I could not imagine spending that like four years doing your bachelor's degree, then you have to go back for your MD, then you have to do your internship and your residency. It's such a nightmare. And all the time you have to deal with the sick and the dying. And it's definitely not as glamorous as Grey's Anatomy leads us to believe. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, but okay, okay. Keeping that in mind, I'm going to present you with a number. $10,000 a year. That's how much doctors in Russia make. It's one of the lowest paid professions in that country, which feels so unbelievable, right? But if you juxtapose that with the, given the context of the episode, unsurprising fact that a majority of doctors in Russia are women, it begins to form a picture. The status and pay of doctors there is more like blue collar workers in other parts of the world, even though they require the same amount of training and knowledge as doctors anywhere. Over there, medical practice is stereotyped as a caring vocation that is quote unquote naturally suited to women, which by default apparently makes it second class in some way. Wow, that is something that I find for lack of a better word, so interesting because it intersects so neatly with the idea that we assigned certain traits to women like kindness and caring, but then bizarrely belittle these qualities and values as weak when it suits us. The fact is- Yeah, actually to- Sorry, sorry Pooja, but to interject here, there's an article that I, when I was doing research for this episode, there's this article that I read that just like completely 
blew my mind. It was, it was, it's quite old, it's from 2011. And it's in, in this article, Professor Carol Black, who's the president of the Royal College of Physicians, um, is talking about how in UK, uh, women are becoming dominant in the medical field. Over 60% of new doctors are women. Uh, and they already dominate the lower echelons of the, of the profession. And at that time, back in 2011, she predicted that by a decade's time, women doctors would outnumber women, outnumber men, sorry, which sounds like a good thing, right? It was so bizarre in this article, she was talking about it as a problem, saying that we're feminizing medicine, which is a profession that is dominated, has traditionally been dominated by white males. And that's going to cause uh, medicine to lose influence like happened with teaching and nursing and she was taking this fact and like bizarrely bizarre. making the, yeah she was making the argument that we should reduce the number of women doctors and uh and encourage more men to enter the field despite the fact that the competence and skills of women doctors are not in question and surveyed patients many surveyed patients have expressed a preference for being looked after by women Essentially, she's asking to gatekeep a profession that has already had so many empty barriers for women over the past. That is bizarre. Because, it's, you know, it was, yeah, it's such a crazy response. It's like she sees the problem and then, I don't know, pivots in some weird direction to say, no, we don't have to solve the problem. We just have to reinforce it by getting more men in the profession and creating right? more empty barriers. Yeah, and I think... The fact that she thinks of it as a problem really is everything that's wrong and everything that we wanted to talk about in this episode. Because, okay, let's try for a moment to imagine a world without a nurse. Not only is this difficult to do, but it also paints an unpleasant picture. Because we all know workers in healthcare play a vital role in the functioning of civil societies. Yet, as political scientist Anne Mary Slaughter suggests, these positions are often devalued and like Tanya said, these positions are not only devalued, but are also being seen as somewhat of a problem. We see this in the fact that such roles are afforded both lower status and pay in many societies and receive less funding in the public sphere as well, especially in the case of early education. But what's sad is I don't think it's restricted just to the medical field. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, like I said earlier, it extends to every sphere of our culture and society. And I mean, we've talked about the ways in which it presents in in the professional world, because those are very tangible, tangible, very measurable and very visible. But it happens in a lot more subtle ways as well. So like, for example, in our previous episode, uh, we talk a lot about how influencer culture and other things surrounding social media. Um, and sorry, in our previous episode, we talk a lot about influencer culture and other things surrounding social media and social media culture. And while doing research for that episode, I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of absurd, slut shamey stuff that I found criticizing influencers, but obviously only female influencers. And then... <laughs> And then last week, I was having a conversation with an old school friend of mine who was telling me about how someone from our old school was trying to be, quote unquote, an influencer. And that whole conversation, she had this weird, judgy subtext going on about how it's frivolous and, quote, not a real job and doesn't apparently require any, quote, real talent. Um, and it 
all just reminded me of like the comments that you hear about TikTok videos, you know, of people mocking girls doing TikTok dances and calling them cringy and stuff like that. And it, it got me thinking about how this tendency to really easily make fun of young girls and women really just stems from the fact that women and particularly younger girls and teenage girls don't hold a lot of social and cultural capital in our society. Like Pooja said, Pooja mentioned this last episode. Um, and this presents itself in social media and things like that. And it also presents itself in more mainstream forms of media and cultural expression where things that are generally more masculine like sports or action films or war movies or Westerns, you know, cowboy films are, or generally stories centered around male heroes like superhero movies are considered to be good taste or cool things to like or more serious and worthy of praise. Whereas media that is traditionally targeted at female audience like rom-coms, uh, pop music, I mean, fashion, makeup, I mean, if just take the Taylor Swift example, are considered superficial or not cool to like or frivolous or silly in some way or not intelligent. Um, While we're on the topic, did you get the memo that liking films or war movies makes you an intelligent girl who is not like other girls? Oh my god. The not like other girls thing is like and honestly, I used to think like that as a teenager. I really did. I uh, yeah, I used to think, you know, I, I, I used to make a huge point of the fact that I wasn't a fan of One Direction or Justin Bieber or Twilight. Um, and I, I didn't wear makeup. And I used to hang out with the guys because it made me one of the guys because yeah. I wasn't like the other girls. Yeah, I wore my badge of not like other girls like it was something to be proud of. And it took me so many years to realize that someone saying that I'm not like other girls is the farthest thing from a compliment as it can possibly be. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, un until like the last few years, I never even realized that this was so much a part of my thinking. I just used to think that way. And I used to sort of look down on girls who were obsessed with makeup and fashion and boys because I was serious and I wasn't like that. Of but course. <laughs> but really what's so wrong in it I mean for the longest time as a child I hated the color pink because I felt somewhere some societal pressure that I had to like it or I refused to learn to cook because I felt that as a girl I was expected to so even though now today I love baking and it's one of my most favorite hobbies I resisted it for so long just because in some way I thought it was worth less I absolutely agree with you. This is one of the reasons I resisted getting a pedicure for so long. And now it's one of my favorite ways to unwind. I think one thing that I would like to share here is about the movie Legally Blonde. It was the movie that opened my eyes to the fact that I can be feminine and I can still be a badass and I can still do things in life. And really, watching the movie about three years ago was my stepping stone to realizing that, you know what, I am exactly like other girls and I love it. Legally Blonde is such a great movie and was so far ahead of its time. Like, how old is that movie? It's like, I think two decades old now. It's from like 2001 or something. It is wild how ahead of the curve that movie was. Um, and completely true. Like, we always make it a choice for women. Like, you can be pretty and fashionable and well-dressed 
uh, or you can be intelligent and serious and be taken seriously by the world. Yeah, it's almost um, as if having one of those means you can't have the other. Whereas that's not the case. Honestly, I completely agree. I am like other girls. I have a photo wall on my in my bedroom and I like the color pink sometimes and I have a thousand plants. If that makes me basic, who cares? Yeah, and you know what? I get emotional sometimes and I cry and sometimes I can be too sensitive. But like you said, if that makes me basic or if that makes me less than, just for being able to be in touch with my emotions and being able to express that, then yes, I am like other girls. Uh, this should be like a movement, hashtag I am like other girls. <laughs> you know what, Tanya, I think that sounds wonderful. And I think this is a good note to end this episode on. To everyone who's listening, we hope you realize where being like other girls is not the nightmare that you think it is. And to every guy who's listening, we hope you also realize why telling a girl that she's exactly like other girls is more of a compliment than you could have ever thought. So with that, we leave you for today's episode and we hope to be back soon, very soon, with some more food for thought and more discussions. Thank you.